the ladies went out on a mission yesterday on what they called the widow's wish we're going to put up a oh they already got it up and what they did was they they asked the widows what what's their wish and some of them wished for their feet to be massaged and got it I've been wishing for that for a long time and it ain't happened <laughs> but I'm not a widow thank God so that's uh, and I'm not willing to trade either so that but they uh, they some of them wanted to go to I think they went to Quattro's is that right they went to Quattro's and that fulfilled a wish for one of the widows and then another one went and saw the Mississippi River hadn't seen it in 50 years I said, you never go to Cape. <laughs> so anyway, let's give them a big hand for making those wishes come true. We also, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of 1 Samuel, the 13th chapter. And uh, I want to preach to you for just a little while this morning on if they'll throw that picture up on the heart exam everybody say the heart exam you know every once in a while you need a checkup right sometimes we just need a checkup from the neck up because we got stinking thinking <laughs> and so what we but how many of you've ever had something you know felt something happen to you and you thought oh you know, I got something going on. I, you know, I, years ago, I thought I was having a heart attack. I had trapped gas. I was so glad. I was never so glad to have gas in all my life. But I had it. I felt it. I felt it underneath. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but sometimes it can get like underneath your rib, and they. And I, I found out that it can. It can feel like a heart attack and man I had that pressure underneath my rib and I thought oh and I went and grabbed hold of the door frame and I was trying to lift myself up on the door I thought if I could just lift myself up maybe I'd ease that pressure and that didn't work and nothing was working then all of a sudden I discovered it a can of warm sprite you drink it as fast as you can and get in a room where you're all alone Because you're getting ready to get rid of your trap gas. You're, you're going to belch like you've never belched in your life. And I've never felt a belch that felt so good. But it relieved it. But it, it was, see, sometimes we just need that, that checkup. So today I'm going to talk about the heart exam. Now, look, we have natural heart exams, but there are also some spiritual heart exams that we need to take. Because sometimes, how many of you know that the heart can be so deceitful? And the scripture talks about who can know it. And so sometimes we need to check up on our heart. So I want to take you on a journey today. And king is the king is the Saul. Saul is the king of Israel. Saul is the king of Israel. And the Philistines have gathered together. They're gathering an army. Saul's son, Jonathan, had defeated an Israelite garrison, and it, it infuriated the Philistines. I'm sorry, he defeated a, a Philistine garrison, and it had infuriated them. And so they gathered their troops together, and they're going to march against Israel, and all the Israelites are beginning to fear. Saul has been instructed by Samuel through God, or by God through Samuel, 
to go to Gilgal and he's to wait there for seven days. And in seven days, Samuel will show up and Samuel will offer sacrifice and he'll give Saul instruction on what he should do. It's the seventh day and Saul begins to get nervous. And so what Saul does is instead of waiting for Samuel to show up, instead of, he, he could have sent some men to go and check and see where Samuel was at. He could have met with his men that were fearful and told them, guys, it's going to be okay. Samuel's going to be here in a minute and God's going to take care of this. Don't sweat it. But instead, he panics. And what he does is he tells them, he said, bring me the sacrifice. And he offers the sacrifice instead of waiting for Samuel. How many of you know that it's really important that you hang out in the calling you were called to? People used to ask me all the time, they said, you, you ever going to pastor a church? And I said, I'm not going to say that I'll never pastor a church. But I said, before I do, God would have to rewire me. Because you have to understand, for 21 years, I was wired as an evangelist. The only reason we stayed on the road that long is because of the way God wired me. When I became a pastor, I started feeling this we-wiring we process going on. I thought I taught putty tat. I, I, started, I started feeling this rewiring process going on inside me, and I knew something was changing. And if you're willing to change with God, and if you're willing to flow with God where God wants you to flow, you're going to find out that you're going to be one of the happiest people you've ever been in your life because there is nothing that brings more joy, that brings more happiness than fulfilling what God has called you to do. Can I tell you that one of the greatest experiences in my life, one of the things that have brought me the most joy in my life has been sharing the Word of God, has been preaching the Word of God. And I, I, you need to understand something. I was preaching the Word of God long before I ever got paid for preaching it. You understand, it wasn't about a paycheck, it was about a passion. It wasn't about, I, I, if, if I never got another dime, I'm still going to preach. Because this isn't, do you understand what I'm talking about? This is about something that God puts in you. And when you begin to flow in that, it has an impact on anyone else. Hey, let's give God a hand clap of praise for our worship team. Can we do that? You know, I, I, I traveled for so many years, and I know how important it is to have a worship team that can bring you into the presence of God. When Debbie, when we were traveling, some, Debbie used to come to me sometimes, she'd say, I, sometimes I feel like I'm your sidekick. I said, honey, you don't understand how important of a role you play. Because every, every, every church doesn't have a worship team like this. 
And I'm not, I'm not belittling anybody. I'm just telling you facts. And there have been times that I've gone into churches and I'm trying to get into the presence of God and I'm trying to get focused on God and, and, you know, and, and they're singing and everything, and, and, and which is wonderful and that's fine, but it wasn't taking me there. And then when Debbie would get up and she would begin to play, and I believe that that's one of the reasons that God put us together. And it was and for years that it, it worked like that, and she'd begin to play and sing, and all of a sudden I'd feel the presence of God start to come in. And, and it, it got me in the right mind, and it got me in the right place. You know, in the Scripture, Elisha is inquired by by kings to get a word from God, and Elisha said, bring me a minstrel. Because there's something about worshiping God. There's something about music that you're playing to God. David was able to string a harp, play a harp, and cause an evil spirit in Saul to subside. There's a reality to a tangible presence of God that flows through us when we let it. Amen. And so... Every once in a while, we need that heart exam to make sure that nothing's interfering. These folks are petrified. They're afraid. Saul does not send for Samuel. He doesn't look for Samuel. He takes it on himself to do something he never should have. This showed two things. When Saul offers the sacrifice himself, it showed a disregard for Samuel. The other thing it showed was a distrust of God because God was the one that had instructed him to wait seven days. Guess what happened after he sacrificed? Samuel showed up. If he'd waited just a little bit longer, have you ever done something knee-jerk that you were sorry you did you ever done something that you wished you'd waited for? You ever buy something at Sam's? Then go back a week later and the price has dropped? We just, the, the church has got a brand new grill. It was $500, but we didn't pay that. I thought, I'm going to wait. There's a bunch of these. I was counting them. There's a bunch of them in stock. I thought, I'm going to wait till the summer's over. I'm going to keep my eye on this came down to $2.99. We ain't buying. When it, when it hit $1.99, I went and got it. I thought, man, I felt so proud. I praise God. We got, yeah. Went back the next week. It was $1.59. Aggravated me so much, I almost took it back and got my money back and then rebought it again. <laughs> but it was too heavy. I thought it ain't worth it. Sometimes if you just wait. You know, Jesus was talking to his disciples in the book of Luke, and he made a statement to them. He's talking to them about the end times. And they were asking about when are these things going to happen. And he begins to lay out things that are going to happen. And then he says something very unique. He looks at them and he says, In your patience possess ye your souls. You see, sometimes, and we're living in the time that Jesus was speaking about, and if you're not careful, what happens is we get in a panic. And all of a sudden, we start, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Oh, you ain't going to win anybody to God if you're acting like that. 
I mean, if, if when people are fearful and they're needing answers, they're looking for someone that seems to have the answer. And can I tell you, I may not know everything that's going to happen, but I know who does. <laughs> I know who does. And I know that as long as I wait on him, it's going to be okay. It said, they that wait upon the Lord shall what? They shall renew their strength. They're going to mount up with wings like an eagle. Honey, I'm not going to be drug out of this world. I'm not going out whipped and defeated. I'm going out strong. I'm going out on eagle's wings. So hear what I'm saying. God is trying to revive us and ignite a fire in our soul. When Samuel showed up, he looked at Saul and he said, what have you done? Look at what Saul's response was. Saul, you know, you would think that Saul would have said, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. I, 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 got, I got fearful. I'm so sorry, please forgive me. No, no, no. What Saul does is when Samuel confronts him is he blames Samuel and the people. He looked at Samuel and said, you didn't come when you were supposed to. I beg your pardon. It's still the seventh day. He just didn't come when Saul wanted him to come. Ooh. How many of us have ever struggled because God didn't show up when we wanted him to show up? Isn't it something? Sometimes I preach and I step on my own toes. And I'm thinking, man, sometimes we get... We, we get so frustrated and we get ourselves worked up in a funk that if we would just trust God and allow him to be God and give him time, he's going to work it out, folks. I learned a lesson in life that when I try and force an issue, it, I, I wished I'd have left it alone. But when I let God work it out, it always works out better. Somebody say better. And so he blames Samuel. You didn't show up when you're supposed to. And the people, the people were afraid. Not me. The people were afraid, and so I forced myself to sacrifice. He didn't force himself to sacrifice. He panicked and acted on, in his flesh instead of trusting in God. Anybody ever been there before? Where all of a sudden you get worked up, you get, and, and the next thing you know, it's your flesh. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever done something you knew you shouldn't have done? And you did it anyway. That's when we need a heart check. Because <laughs> something ain't working right in there. I've done it. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. You step on the gas, chase them down. Hey, praise God. How you doing? No. Sometimes we need to learn how to just trust God. Somebody say, just trust him. When he does this, when Saul refuses to wait on God and he begins to act in his own flesh 
This is what happens. 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 13. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You've not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought. Everybody say has sought. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. What's he saying? He's saying, Saul, if you would have just waited on God, if you would have trusted God, you would be established now. But how many of you ever realize that when you don't get a solid foundation, you never get established. Anybody hear about what happened down in, was it Florida? That condo? There was a problem with the structure. And you can't live, you, when you live in a house where there's a heart problem going on, where there's a structural problem going on, it's only a matter of time until that house comes crashing down. And God, we need to, we, folks, we need to pray for those people. I thought about those families, and I thought about the people that were trapped under there, and I prayed, God, extend your hand to them. Do you know what it's like to have a house fall in on you? I, you know, the fear that had to be going through their hearts and minds, and I wonder what was going through Saul's mind when all of a sudden he heard Samuel tell him, your kingdom has been taken away from you. See, this wasn't a one-time issue with Saul. Saul, throughout his reign, had had a rebellious spirit. He didn't start out that way. As a matter of fact, Samuel told him, he said, when you were small in your own eyes, then God established you. But then he got to where he was calling the shots. He didn't feel like he needed to listen to anybody. And he was doing it all, and he ended up losing it all. He got so twisted in his thinking, he failed the heart exam. Not only does Saul try and kill David, Saul tries to kill his own son, Jonathan. Everybody say a heart problem. The Lord has sought out a man. That phrase, sought out, that word means to search for. I love that. God is searching for someone. God is on the prowl. God is looking for a man that's after his own heart. He didn't tell Samuel, go find me someone. God said, no, look, I'm going to take care of this. And when he does, he comes back to Samuel. He says, I want you to go down to the house of Jesse because I found a man that's after my own heart go down there, go down there. And he goes down there, and when he gets down here, down there, this is what happens. This is Psalm, or 1 Samuel 16 and 6. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Somebody shout amen. 
You ought to thank God that he's looking at your heart instead of your outward appearance. How many of you have ever felt judged before? Wave your hand if anybody, if you've ever felt, look at the hands go up, man. I'm telling you what, you'd think Judge Judy was in here. Everybody's felt judged at one time or another. And you feel like, how many of you have ever been told, well, you're never going to amount to anything. You can't do that. And you hear little whispers and smirks. And well, and they think they're going to serve God. Who's he kidding? A preacher? Man, I know what he used to do. Can I share something with you? I may not be what I ought to be, but I ain't what I used to be either. <laughs> I am on my way. I am making strides toward him. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know my prayer is that I'm, that, here's the way this ought to work out. I need to be closer to God next year at this time than I am right now. And I need to be closer to God right now than I was last year at this time. What are you saying? Our relationship with God should be a progression. We should always be growing and always be moving toward him. Somebody say move toward him. And so he judges our heart. Saul failed his heart exam. But can I share with you that David wasn't perfect either? None of us are. As a matter of fact, Romans 3 and 23 says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. But hear me, David understood something about God that Saul didn't. You see, David's love for God and the way his heart responded when he was called out on his own sin is what caused David to be a man that was after God's own heart. It wasn't because he was sinless. It's because he knew where to go when he had sinned. Everybody say Bathsheba. You remember that little encounter he had? Nathan the prophet showed up and called him on it. And when he did, do you understand that other prophets had died when they called out king's sins? Other prophets had been put away Micaiah was shoved in a prison when he prophesied concerning Ahab. He said, you keep him in a prison and give him bread and water until I return. And Micaiah looked at him and he said, if you come back at all, God didn't speak through me. And Ahab never did come back. He died on the battlefield just like that man said he would. There has got to be a boldness in us that causes us to stand up with courage to stand up with strength when we're facing the enemy, knowing that God is in control. Saul finds himself, Saul finds himself fearful. He's grabbing sacrifices and offering it up himself. And David was just a little boy. And when a giant came out boasting against the armies of God, that little boy stood up and said, who does he think he is to find the armies of the living God like that? It wasn't about David. It was all about God. And Goliath came out to him and he said, come here, boy. I'm going to feed you the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. 
And David looked at him and he said, you come to me with a sword and a shield and a spear, but I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. And this day, he's going to deliver you into my hand. Do you understand what it means when a little boy is bold enough to stand down a giant? It means that he's got his heart in the right place. How many times have we allowed the devil to get in our thinking and get us so fearful and trembling until we're second-guessing ourselves and we're afraid to move and we're afraid to do what God called us to do. I have, I have had to square off with folks before. Man, you go preach in revival and God tells you to do something. I've had to say things to people before I didn't even know, and I said, God, they're not going to receive it. And God spoke to me and he said, I know they're not going to receive it, but I want you to tell them. You know what that's like? I, told, I, I stood up and was talking to a guy one time, and I started talking to him, and he just started shaking his head no. And I looked at him, and I said, within three months, if you don't get things straightened out, your life's getting ready to fall apart. Guess who called me three months later? His wife was leaving him. Everything had fallen apart. I'm telling you, you've got to be bold enough and you've got to have enough strength and trust in God, not in yourself, not in your ability, but in God's power, in his word, in his spirit, to be able to stand up and say, God, here I am. Then Job made the statement, he said, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. I'm going to hang on to him. When David is called out over his sin, here's his response. And this is why God chose him. Psalm 51. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and a repentant heart, O oh God. And then he says, oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. What's he saying? The kingdom means nothing to me without your presence. I need you. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. I got to have you. I don't care how many men are giving me accolades. I need to lay my head on a pillow at night and know that you're with me and that you're for me and that you're there. That's why God chose him. That's why God has been endeared to him. David understood that following after the law and offering animal sacrifices could never make us right with God. Later, in the New Testament, after Jesus has come, there's someone else that will get this revelation. It's the Apostle Paul. Paul had followed the law strictly, but his heart was far from God. Listen to his words in Philippians 3 and 6. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. 
but Paul failed his heart exam. Oh, he was religious, and he followed the letter of the law, but when it came to people that were loving Jesus, he was having them thrown in prison and put to death. He didn't even recognize how far away he was from God. It's not extraordinary. It's not something new. James and John are walking with Jesus. And these people stop Jesus. They don't want him coming through their territory. And James and John looked at Jesus and said, do you want us to call fire down like Elijah did and consume them? And Jesus turned around and looked at him and said, man, you don't even know what manner of spirit you're of. Where's that coming from? That ain't me. Did you ever have that well up inside you? No, none of us. Somebody say something to you, God, just let me have five minutes with them alone, and then I'll repent. That's not how God operates. He, he looked at these. These are guys that are with him, man. They saw him working miracles in the flesh. He looked at him. He said, you, you don't even know what kind of spirit that is. You need to get your heart examined. Get your checkup because I can't use that kind of heart. Paul, well, I, let's just be honest. We've all failed our heart exam, haven't we? In Isaiah 64 and 6, listen to what the Bible says. We are all infected and impure with sin. When we put our prized robes of righteousness we find that they are but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we fade, wither, and fall, and our sins like the wind sweep us away. In Hebrews 10 and 1, it tells us that the old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. For it's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. So our hope is not in the law. Our hope is not in a list of do's and don'ts. And that even has followed us all the way to where we are today. I've met people that still are following a list of do's and don'ts, but the relationship is missing. I don't mean this wrong, but man, sometimes Christian folk can be some of the meanest people you ever met in your life. Judge you at a glance. Can I tell you they're going to fail the heart exam? God's saying, you don't get it. You don't even know what kind of spirit that is. He said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. I love it that one time when he told the Pharisees, he said, look, he said, the, the righteous don't need to be called to repentance. Can I put it in plain English? He looked at the Pharisees and he's saying, those folks that think they're right don't need to be called because they're not going to listen anyway. But try and figure out what this means. I would, have, I, I would show mercy rather than sacrifice. 
What's he saying? He's saying the old system of the law was only a type and shadow of what was to come. And now we're experiencing who came. Somebody say, check out my heart. <laughs> Listen to Paul. Any of you wrestle with sin? Anybody ever wrestle with it? Hold, hold your hand up if you ever wrestle with, you know, maybe wanting to do something wrong. So, a lot of you are going to have to repent when you leave here. You know that, right? <laughs> if you're breathing, you're wrestling. Paul said, I die daily. What's he saying? He's saying there is a fight going on. Listen to how he describes it in the book of Romans. This is the seventh chapter. I'm going to start with the seventh verse. Well, then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would have never known that coveting was wrong if the law had not said you must not covet. So the trouble is not with the law, for it's spiritual and good. The trouble's with me. Everybody say it. The trouble's with me. For I am all too human a slave to sin. This is Paul speaking. I'm all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that's still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? What's Paul saying? In simple words, Paul's saying this. I know what I should do. I know what's right. But on my own, I don't have the ability to do it. See, that's the mistake that we make. That's the challenge we face. Because we are the United States of America. Thank God for this nation. But independence can go too far. When all of a sudden we feel like we can be independent of God. Friend, I'm telling you, I'm dependent on God. He... Paul is saying, I, I can't navigate this on my own. I, I, I end up doing what I don't want to do. I want to do what's right. I end up doing what I hate. Can any of you relate to that? Can any of you understand what he's saying? And, and then he's saying, but, and he asked the question. He said, I'm a miserable man. He said, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? And then he answers it in verse 25. He said, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. <laughs> What's he saying? He's saying, I don't have to go it alone. Someone has come to my rescue. Someone has intervened so I can be free. Listen to what, what he says to us in Romans 3 and 24. Yet God in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. <laughs> uh, I feel like dancing a little bit. So what do you, did, did you get this? Freely makes us right in whose sight? In his sight. 
Because here's the problem, Michelle. When I get right in your sight, I'm going to be wrong in his sight. And when I get right in his sight, I'm going to be wrong in his sight. So we end up spending our lives trying to please everybody instead of trying to please the one person that can make the difference in our life and his name is Jesus and can I tell you he loved you when you were a rascal he loved you when you didn't even know him and he said you know what I'm gonna hunt them down I'm searching a man I'm searching for a woman who's got a heart that's after my heart and they don't even realize they got it yet I know they're in a bunch of funk and in a bunch of mess but when I get done with them, I'm going to turn them around. That's how he found Paul. That's how he rescued Paul. Somebody hear what I'm saying. There's joy. Joy because he saved us. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Somebody say free. free. I need a volunteer. Kaylee? Kelsey? Are you sure your name's not Kaylee? I've called you that. Somebody say a checkup. See, every once in a while, we need a checkup, don't we? Go ahead and stand up here. Okay, yeah, stand right there. There, stand there on that step. No, that, that one. Okay, now, now zoom in, guys, zoom in on my hand. And Kaylee, I want you to tell everybody what I have in my hand. What did I call you? Kaylee. I'm sorry. Kelsey, K-E-L-S-E-Y. K-E-L-S-I. Kelsey, I don't want to hear any of y'all call her Kaylee again. Kelsey, <laughs> Kelsey, Kelsey, tell everybody what I've got in my hand. Clubs. Clubs. Okay. Now, now you step up here. Okay. Now draw out the middle card. Do not look at it and don't show anybody. Hold it. Hold it up against you. Hold it right against you. Don't show anybody. Okay. Now, Kelsey, what do I have? Two of clubs, ten of spades. So what should she have? The King of Hearts. Take a look and tell me what you have. Show them. Everybody. So here's, here's my question. Thank you. And I'm not telling you how I did it. <laughs> here's, here's my question. Is he the king of your heart? He wants to be. And here's the good news. If you don't know him, you've never said yes to him. The good news is he's already said yes to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. I want to give you an opportunity in here to get your heart taken care of. They've told you you've got a heart problem. I'm telling you I know the one that can fix it. His name is Jesus. If you're in here today and, and you haven't accepted him as the king of your heart, you haven't invited him in to rule and reign, 
See, because Daryl, when he shows up and he's checking our hearts, what he's looking for is a reflection of himself. He's looking to see if you've let him in. If you're in this building today and you haven't done it, but you want to do it, I'm, I'm going to ask, I'm going to do something I usually don't do, but I want everybody, if you would, just to uh, pray with me for just a second, if you would, just pray with me. Father, I thank you. I'm asking you, God, to check our hearts today. Cause us to be right with you. If you're in here and you haven't made him the king of your heart, I want you, if you would, to stand right now. Say, Pastor, I want to make him the king of my heart. I want to make him the king of my heart. I'm going to give just a moment. If you would, just stand. You won't have to stay standing. I acknowledge that individual. Anyone else? That you say, I want to make him the king of my heart. Those that are watching online right now, and God's dealt with you, he's spoken to you, you feel him pulling at your heart right now, we're going to invite you to pray with us today and make Jesus the king of your heart. Church, would you pray with me right now? Father, I ask you right now to come into my life. Pray it out loud, church. To come into my life. Rescue me from the old man that I am and make me brand new in you. Today, I repent of my sin. I turn my back on my old way of life and I open my arms to you and accept you as my Lord and Savior right now in Jesus' name. Come on, can you give me a hand clap of praise? God wants to use you. He's got a gifting that he's equipped you with. Some people have, Debbie has a gift to sing. I have a gift to talk. <laughs> I've heard people say, well, I, I don't have any gifting at all. My mother, when she was living, when my, our, our son and daughter would go to their, my mom's house, she would sit at the table and she would say, make me laugh. Bethany and Jonathan would start in and it wasn't long until my mom was in tears laughing. You see, some people have that ability. They have a, an ability to make you smile, to make you laugh, to make you feel like the world's a better place. So when mom was facing life and death, someone asked, is it well with your soul? Is everything good with you and Jesus? And mom responded. She said, yes, it is. 
She said, but I'll miss hearing my children laugh. Can I tell you that there's going to be more joy in heaven, <laughs> more laughter in heaven than you've ever known before. So when you walk out of this place, purpose in your heart and in your mind that I want to do for others what God has done for me. I want to be a voice that can bring hope. I want to be a hand that can bring help. God, use me to bring someone closer to you, to open their hearts so the King of hearts can reign in their life. Are you ready for it? Would you stand with me right now? Everybody smile one time. Just try it. Come on, if you're not smiling, you left your teeth at home. <laughs> Show those teeth. I was telling the first service, I said, you know, I said, when my wife and daughter get together, they'll, they'll, they'll get to laughing over stuff that I don't really think is funny. I, I'm serious, but, but they, when they get to laughing, Bethany has this contagious laugh. She will start laughing, and she'll... In the laughing process, it's like there's five different people laughing because you hear like all these different laughs coming out of her. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I, now I'm breaking up and I'm cracking up and I'm thinking, you know what? That wasn't even that funny. But I am, I am in tears because I'm watching them and they are, I have seen Bethany start laughing till she can't catch her breath. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, and she's crying and, and she, and, and I, and I get, I get so, I had, that has an impact on me. Hear me. When you walk around looking like you've eaten raw persimmons, that has an impact on people too. My grandson didn't understand what that, or I mean, my granddaughter didn't understand what that meant until I think last week. They had a persimmon tree and she went and grabbed one and was going to check to see if it was ripe. Bit into it and buddy, she puckered up. And she, oh, and she threw it down. That has an impact because you can't live depressed. You can't go around. God doesn't want you depressed. God doesn't want you feeling like you've lost your best friend. He wants to put some joy up in your life. Everybody say, I want some joy. Matter of fact, we're going to practice something. Hang out here with me for just a second. Ain't nobody's chicken burnt yet. Are, are, are you ready? So I want you to take a moment. I want you to look at your neighbor and laugh. It's no reflection on your neighbor, okay? I just want you, I just want you to take a... Go, go ahead, look at each other and laugh for just a second. Go on, go. <laughs> Come on, try it, try it. <laughs> Come on, try it. Hey, you need to understand something. If I catch you not doing it, I'm very liable to come out there and get you and bring you up on stage. Are you ready? Look, look at your neighbor and start laughing. Go, <laughs> Just, just, <laughs> hey. 
Now, come on. Doesn't it make you feel better to laugh? Isn't that better than sitting around going... I'm telling you that the devil knows that the joy of the Lord is your strength. So he tries to rob you of it. He tries to take it from you. But I got some news for him today. My heart is filled with the king of hearts. So there's some joy way down deep inside of me. Somebody shout yes. Come here. Yeah. Hey, what, what song you got going? What, what song you got? Okay, lift up. That's a good one. All right, are you ready? See, I'm making her real nervous right now. Everybody, all right, you ready, praise team? Everybody? Smile. Here we go. Sing it. Lift up your voice and sing for joy. Clap your hands, make a joyful noise. Blow your trumpets and shout. Praise Him for the victory. Heavens we use are not bombs and guns. Worship is the way the battle is won. I'm going to share this with you. I want to pray for you. I'm going to let you go, but I want you to hear me. Remember at the beginning of this service, all of a sudden the presence of God swept through this place. Do you know why? It's because all of a sudden everyone started to open their hearts and let the king of hearts come in. I want you to hear what I'm going to tell you. The presence of God and the Spirit of God is going to begin to make itself manifest this way more and more as the days move forward. And so you have to be ready. You have to be ready to quickly open up your heart because you opening up your heart is going to be the key to miracles happening. You opening up your heart is the key to breakthrough happening. It doesn't have to happen with me laying my hand on you. It can happen that way, but I'm telling telling you God is a big God and he's able to touch all of us right where we're at so open your heart and let the king of hearts come in right now sing it lift up your voice and sing full of joy clap your hands make a joyful noise blow your trumpets and shout praise him for the victory Matter of fact, just stretch your hands to heaven with me right now and shout at God, fill me up right now. 
Just fill me up. Just fill me up until I overflow, God. I don't want to walk out of here with a cup half empty. Fill me up in Jesus' name. God, let your spirit sweep across this congregation. God, touch them. Heal their body, God. Deliver the mind. God, give them a breakthrough in Jesus' name. I give you praise for it. Come on and shout yes. Shout yes! God bless you! We love you!